to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. I believe our prayers are powerful. I believe God wants us to be powerful people. You have got to believe that your prayers can change things, that you can shape the destinies with your prayer. You have to believe that God has made you powerful people. Otherwise, you wouldn't pray and you will not be witnesses. And all we would do is just to be Sunday-going Christians, warm up seats and live a mediocre life. But that's not what Jesus uh, has died for. Amen. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and I so that all of us can become powerful witnesses. I have a Bible verse uh, for that just in case you think that that's just my good idea. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, You will receive power when? The Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. From Jerusalem, that's where you are, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So God's will is for us to be powerful people. Turn to the person next to you and say, live powerful. I mean, that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about being powerful and what's the key to become powerful in God. Pride and being powerful are two different things. Sometimes we think that power equals Pride. And of course, we've got uh, popular sayings like power corrupts and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. But that's you know, when your heart is not redeemed by the gospel. But if your heart is redeemed by the gospel, I believe that you know, a redeemed heart can live very powerful lives. And that God wants to entrust power to you so that you can influence nations, influence the world. Amen? Come on, turn to the person next and say, live powerful. So Isaiah chapter 40 and uh, verses 28 to 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Let's read the verses. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. Next verse says, but those who hope in the Lord. In the King James Version, the Bible says, those who what? Wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will, they will walk and not be faint. Let's read verse 31 together as a congregation. One, two, read. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But if you're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that there is very much a powerlessness in our Christian living and service. Right? That sometimes we know we are, we are to be witnesses. Sometimes we know that we are to be powerful. But we have to admit that on a day-to-day level, we feel powerless. So we wake up in the morning, we brush our teeth, we dress up, we go to work, and we are bombarded by temptations from all around. We are challenged uh, in our convictions by the people around us. And sometimes we give in and we feel powerless. But I want to say that this is not God's will for the believer. God's will for the believer is to live powerful lives. So what's the cause of powerlessness? I believe there are two primary reasons for powerless Christianity. Number one, the primary cause, I believe, is ignorance. Say ignorance. Turn to the person next to you and say Ignorance. And sometimes we know what we don't know, which is great because then you can look around, look for answers, read up, listen to sermons. But the problem is 
Oftentimes, we don't know what we don't know. Does it make sense to you? We don't know what we don't know. Because when we don't know what, what we don't know, we live in this state of ignorance and we don't know what Jesus has provided for us and what is, has been placed at our disposal. So ignorance is the primary cause of powerlessness. If you read verses 28 and 29, the Bible tells us that the Lord, the everlasting God, the Creator. Now, those three names of God, which we'll talk about more about God's names in, in the coming months. We're looking into a series on the names of God. But the Bible calls our God the Lord, Jehovah, right? Yahweh. He's the everlasting God. He's the creator. He's not a creation. He's the creator. And the Lord, the everlasting God, and our creator has made all His resources available to you and me. He has placed all His unlimited strength and power at our disposal. But oftentimes, we don't know. It's a little bit like the person who buy a first-class ticket, but you are so used to going to coach class and you walk all the way back to seat number 66. Because you don't know what Jesus has paid for you. So we must know. And this morning, I want to pray that God will enlighten your eyes, that, that your heart may uh, be awakened to know what's the hope of your calling. Amen. That you would know what you have as believers in Jesus. Because God, God's word, as I said, for you to live powerful lives. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed because of a... Come on, help me preach. You don't know what you don't know. For a lack of knowledge. Sometimes we think that we're destroyed because of temptations or we're destroyed because the enemy has come against us like a flood or we're, we're destroyed because uh, we, we, we don't have good teachings or we don't have... No, we are destroyed for a lack of knowledge and we don't know what we don't know. And we live powerless lives because we don't know what we don't know. Ignorance is the primary cause for our powerlessness. But the secondary cause, I believe, is a failure to access these resources. We might know, but we fail to access, we fail to tap into these resources. And that's, I believe, the second cause of our powerless Christian living. In verse 29, the Bible says, God gives. So He's always giving. He's a giver. He's not a stingy father. He's a good dad. He wants to give us all things. In fact, the Bible says, if you ask me, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. So God is a giver. He wants to give us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So God is always giving. He's always releasing. He's always resourcing. And He's always wanting us to prosper and you know, to have abundance. But as believers, we fail to access these resources. So how do we receive is the question, right? How do we get into a place where we are freely receiving so we can freely give? I believe the answer is in verse 31 in the King James Bible, it says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's a simple key to a life of power. They that wait on the Lord shall be strong, shall be powerful. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 1, it says that 
To wait means to be silent before God. It means to wait, to be actively waiting, not a passive waiting, not, not, not a laid-back waiting, but to actively wait, to wait in, a, in expectation. To wait in silence, yes, but to wait in expectation. Those who wait on the Lord shall be strong. They shall renew their strength. So waiting upon God, I believe, means that we are to cast all our cares, all our concerns, to cast our utter dependence on God. It means that we are readily hearing His voice and we are at a point where we, we will say yes to whatever God will say to us. To wait on the Lord means that we have our whole expectation on Him. It implies complete confidence in God and absolutely no confidence in self or in human help. That's what, what waiting means. And most of us wouldn't wait because we're living in a distracted world and this is a word for myself. This is a reminder to my flesh. That a lot of us living in the 21st century with the advent of iPhone, with Google, we don't usually wait. Whatever answers we need, we ask Google first, not God. Alright, we, uh, we didn't plug, we, we, are, we are always turned on in, in our phone, online. We, you know, we, we don't move away from these things. Now, don't, ask, don't misunderstand me. I believe that techno technology is very powerful. We can use it for the advancement of the kingdom. But unless we've learned to come to a place to wait, there will always be a lack of power. So sometimes you're, you are wondering, why am I feeling so powerless? I've got all the knowledge in the world. I, I've got Google to ask. I've, I've got every sermon I, I want to listen to. But why am I powerless? Because the answer is not in having head knowledge. The answer is in waiting before God and allowing God to impart and to impress on your heart His will, His, His word, uh, to impress on your heart His laws, to write on your heart His commandments. And that's where we gain strength. Amen? It's not how much we know in the head. A lot, a lot of us think that when we can memorize Bible verses, means we are powerful. Yes, that's one step towards receiving power, but that's not it. Otherwise, theologians and scholars would be the most powerful people. They would have walked on water and, and walked through walls and raised the dead and opened blind eyes. But why don't they? Because the answer is not in head knowledge. The answer is not knowing more about the Word. The answer is knowing the Word Himself. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The answer is having an encounter with Jesus, and you can only experience that in the posture of waiting before God. And you have to learn how to distance yourself from the distractions around you so you can wait before Him. Amen? I believe the church today needs to learn how to wait. I believe the church today needs to learn how to sit still before Him, expecting Him to speak to you. I believe that's what it means to be a prophetic people. It's not going for more BSF. I love all these ministries or you know, to go for Bible school. These are all great. But that, without waiting before the Lord, will amount to nothing. Having consultants giving you the best strategy without waiting upon the, the Lord for His strategy wouldn't result in church growth. Wouldn't result in changed lives. There are all these good ideas. But what is God saying? What's the God idea? And it comes from waiting before the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. So what's the blessing? What's the fruit 
of us waiting upon God. I believe in these verses there are fourfold results. The I wells, the wells, right? The four wells in this verse. I believe God wants to lift us up. I believe He wants us to live life on the highest plane. Amen. I believe God wants us to be truly successful and to live above the daily grind, to live far above the stormy clouds. And I, which is why I love these verses. I love the eagle because the eagle is the only bird that will fly towards the storms. The rest of the bird, when the storm comes, when the typhoon comes, would run away, would fly away from the storms. Because storms in life would destroy the other birds. But the eagle fly towards the storm. And the reason for that is, why? The draft from the wind in the storm would lift the eagle higher. But how do we live the eagle life? How do we live life on the highest plane? I believe the key, as I said, is in, is in waiting upon the Lord. Amen. So there are four blessings here. The first one we read, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So my first point is we shall have God's strength in place of our weakness. The word renew could be translated change or exchange. And Christine talked about that in her, in her sharing of the service. In the time of communion, God wants to have a divine transaction between you and I. He wants to take away your weakness and give you His strength. He wants to remove your sickness and release His health. Amen. He wants to destroy the poverty spirit in you and release a spirit of prosperity into your soul. That's divine transaction. An exchange of God's strength in place of our weakness. Have, haven't we realized, church, that our greatest weakness is often our own strength? When we think we know better. And, and that if you go before God in utter weakness, friends, listen, He will exchange your weakness for His strength. And we need to learn how to be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. In this day and age when when Jason was praying, the onslaught of the enemy, trying to get us off our feet, trying to to destroy us, to kill us, trying to just corrupt our mind. We need to be strong. I believe God wants to give us at least four kinds of strength, and it's not on, uh, on the screen, but I believe He wants to give us physical strength. The stress in life. Come on, church. Am I preaching to the right crowd? We're living in Singapore. Amen. Uh, there's a debate which is the more expensive city to live in, Hong Kong or Singapore. Come on, it's not a good debate to be a part of. I, I wish that Singapore would, would be you know, a cost-effective society. But, you know, the stress in life, and we're always on this red race. And last night in our little gathering, someone was saying, I'm like the hamster on the wheel. And friends, this is not God's will for us, but... If you're in Singapore, you're on, on a wheel. You have to get off the wheel. But nonetheless, if you're working and you've got expectation, you've got a performance, you've got all these different things, friends, stress is real and sometimes we fall sick. But God wants us to be strong in Him, physically strong. We're afraid of Zika, right? And so we are looking at every corner of our house, make sure there's no mosquitoes. We put repellent there, group chats talking about Zika and what to put on friends. We, want, we must be wise, but, how, but, how, oft, but how, how can we protect ourselves? No way. 
Today is Zika, tomorrow is Vika, next day is Bika. I mean, I mean there are all kinds. Tomorrow is H1N1, next day is... You know, there are all these things coming against us. And yes, we must take wise precaution. But listen, the strength that we walk in is not human. It's not earthly. The strength we walk in is supernatural. Amen? It's from Him. Those who are abiding under the shadow of the Almighty shall be safe within the, the shadow of His wings. Come on, somebody. We don't have to be afraid. We must be wise, but fear is not from Him. But if, unless you wait on the Lord, you will not be strong, you will be afraid, you will always be, be fearful. You read the, the newspapers and your soul reacts in fear. That's not God's will. That's not, not a powerful life. I remember the story of uh, John G. Lake was being challenged you know, in South Africa, friends from South Africa, and uh, he had a powerful healing ministry. So scientists were challenging him because they doubt, they, they didn't think that the healings were really from God. It was all manufactured. So John G. Lake had a challenge, and he, and he said, put deadly virus on my palm, and you can observe you know, the, the, uh, the virus you know, under, or the bacteria under a microscope. And they did that. And, and under microscopic view, scientists saw deadly viruses and bacteria dying. Is this the kind of life the believer is supposed to live? You bet. We are to prosper and be in health. Not prosper and receive healing all the time, but prosper and be in health even as a soul prospers. I don't believe that we should fall sick. I'm setting a standard. And the only time that I fall ill is you know, when my soul uh, is hurting. It's when there is relational issues with people. And you know, when, when, when the soul is sick, your body begins to you know, align itself, which is why when our soul is prosperous, when we are in health, we can walk you know, in the pink of health. And I know some of us are, have, have challenges. I want to challenge you. L- raise your standard of living to the highest plane. I speak it by faith. In Jesus' name. Physical strength. Mental strength, yes, it's the fountain of all wisdom. And it quickens our minds when we wait on Him. Confession time. My highest level of education, I mean formal education, is, is diploma. There are people with PhD in this room. There are people with masters in this room. Now, I love knowledge, so please misunderstand me. But the wisdom of God Far, far exceeds the intelligence of men. That spiritual wisdom is more precious, the Bible says, than gold itself. But how do we receive this wisdom? By waiting upon the Lord. By tapping into the resources of heaven, by, by having access into the heavenly realm and reading heavenly books that are not available for human eyes. Come on, there's a library in heaven and whatever that you need, you can receive downloads from there. Come on, somebody. So God wants to release mental strength. He wants to release moral strength, courage to stand against unrighteousness uh, in the world. He wants, he wants to release spiritual strength in our lives. He wants us to be strong so we shall have God's strength in the place of our weakness. That's, that's the first blessing for those who wait on the Lord. Somebody say amen. The second blessing is we shall enjoy life above the average. 
Life above the average. No longer me- living mediocre life. Come on, church. I don't believe that we are simply to exist. I'm not talking about just making a lot of money or living in uh, big mansions. I'm not referring to just earthly wealth. I'm talking about living a life of impact, a life above average. We shall soar, the Bible says, on wings like eagles, far above earth level, where the things of this earth will grow strangely dim, where you are more heavily minded than carnally minded. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe that people who are heavenly minded have got no earthly good. I, I want to debunk that, be, that myth once and for all. I believe the more heavenly minded you are, the better you, your impact is on the earth. Come on! I've, 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 I've heard people say, oh, some believers are so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly good. I think there's a misapplication you know, of wisdom in that uh, case because I believe the more heavenly minded you are, the more wisdom you have, and the more powerful your impact is on the earth. The more heavenly minded you are, the more you are in Christ, the more you think about godly things. But man, you start to release bullets of wisdom, arsenal of heavenly intelligence, way beyond what science has discovered on the earth. You start creating a new subject altogether. Come on, church. We have to enjoy life above the average. As I said, the eagle is the only bird which flies so high that it is lost to sight. And that's where we belong. Come on, friends. This is where we belong. We belong in the heavenly. When I was growing up, I used to... Here my pastor says when he take the microphone and uh, he would do all the rah-rah things and then people would clap and then he would say, now all of you saints, you can now take your seat in heavenly places. And it, it, it didn't make sense to me when I was growing up. What are you talking about? Heavenly place? It was a Pentecostal thing in those days as a reminder that yes, we are on the earth, but where we are seated right now is in heavenly places next to Jesus. And maybe we should do that. Saints, you are now seated in heavenly places. This is where you belong. <laughs> Just imagine when you go to, to the office and you sit on your usual, you know, not so good chair, right? Unless you have Herman Amilla, um, um, but otherwise most people would like creaky chairs, like what do we have downstairs. But when you sit down, you declare, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Wow. When you go to school and your, your hard wooden chair, I don't know whether it's still the, the, the same nowadays, but you sit down there and it was all hard, but this is your heavenly seat in the Spirit. Come on. But this is where you belong, living a life above the average. We are being raised up together with Christ. We are being seated together with Christ. This is where we belong. We have got Him on our, we have got him on our left hand because He's on the right hand right? So on. We, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have got Him on our side. Come on, friends. And yet, Christians are often earthbound. And yet, we are often hopping on the ground like a bird with broken wings. We are more like chicken than eagles. We complain about every single thing. We are so we we are so pre, we, we, we we are so short in our vision. And all we see is just little grain in front of us. We are catching worms when God wants us to 
you know, saw above the heavenlies and looked for our prey. We're not supposed to crow like a chicken. We're supposed to soar like the eagles. For those who, was, who will wait on the Lord and we're supposed to fly in heavenly heights like an eagle. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are made to fly, not to hop. So stop hopping and start soaring. Amen. Amen. So we have got strength in place of our weakness. We shall enjoy life above the average. The third blessing we receive is we shall do supernatural things. What do I mean? The verse says we shall run and not grow weary. Now that's not humanly possible. Because when I run, I grow weary. Not even one kilometer. There's a park downstairs at my house and um, I'll, I'll always have this, you know, for the moment kind of thing, wanting to be fit. So I'll say to my wife, okay, I'll go and run. You will see me in half an hour's time. I'll, I'll be running for half an, uh, an, half an hour and in 10 minutes I come home. Because all I could do is just two rounds. 800 meters and by the time it pushed to one kilometer I couldn't continue I run and grow weary and yet the Bible says those who wait on the Lord shall run and not grow weary it is not natural to keep running and not feel weary so I believe this is God promising the believer supernatural power for accomplishing supernatural tasks you will run and not grow weary and people ask me Daniel how do you live your life you are doing this, you've got six kids, you've got... <coughs> and I tell people, I don't know. Can you manage? Can you do it? You know, I don't try very hard. I don't, I, I don't try very, very hard. I'm just saying, God, I wait on you. We're supposed to be supernatural people because we're linked to a supernatural God. If you read the Bible, God chose... Very ordinary people to do extra ordinary things. I was reading Gideon recently and I love that story of Gideon. Not Gideon the keyboardist, but Gideon <laughs> in the Bible. Because Gideon the keyboardist, you know, he is very bold and very courageous. But when you first read about Gideon in the Bible, you read about a coward that was hiding from the Midianites. He was threshing weeds in the wine press. Now, some of us don't understand the context. Now, a wine press is a very small place and no one threshes weed in the wine press. You need a big open space to thresh weed because you need the weed to fall and, and you will collect you know, the grains. And the reason why Gideon was threshing in the wine press was because he was afraid of the Midianites. They were coming after him and, and, and he was in that place of hiding and he was afraid, he was fearful. He was trying to preserve his very own life like many of us living in Singapore. I'm just trying to work very hard. Uh, I'll just make a living for myself. It is in that place of fear that he saw the angel of the Lord. The pre-incarnated Christ, and there he was, and 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 he said, "Gideon, you mighty man of valor." You have to use your imagination when you read the Bible. I can just see Gideon looking behind his back. Are you talking to me? And the Lord says, "Yes, I'm talking to you." And Gideon was confused by that address because he was not a mighty a man, and neither was he valiant. He was afraid. 
And God chose a fearful man to take up uh, to take on an entire army with 300 men. It's counter-cultural. It's, it goes against what's natural. But God chose the most unlikely candidate. What about the fishermen that Jesus chose to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? And these are people who cannot debate. They are just fishermen. They can talk, you know, but they can't go into this intellectual discussion. I mean, put Ravi Zacharias next to Peter. I think Ravi probably is a lot more intelligent than Peter. Maybe Paul might be better, but the first apostle, the Catholics believe that Peter was the first pope. So the first pope <laughs> who expanded Christianity across the globe was a fisherman. I love scholars. We've got a few in this church, but I'm just thankful that God's choice is not human's choice. I, I, I'm just thankful that because he chose a fisherman, I qualify. Woo! Hey, please study as much as possible. Be as, be as intelligent as possible because there are Pauls in this room, I believe, that God will raise up with supernatural intelligence, with, with, with the understanding of you know, a spectrum of things will confound the wisdom of the world. I believe that there are people who are called to be Paul. So praise God for the Pauls in this church, the scholars who were paid by the government to study overseas so they can come and influence policies with godly wisdom. So hallelujah! But there are a lot of us here who are Peters. And sitting next to a Paul, you feel threatened. You feel intimidated and you think, oh, yeah, God use them, not, don't use me. I, 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 I'm, I'm just me, the good old me. And when you feel like that, I want to encourage you, take courage from the life of Peter, the life of John, the life of James. Look at them. And as you read the Gospels, picture Peter saying the wrong things at the wrong time and yet he was the first evangelist in the, in the book of Acts. And be encouraged by that, by that fact. Amen? Be encouraged by John, who was the youngest of all the apostles, and yet he was the one whom the Lord preserved. He didn't taste death from persecution because he was shown revelation. And this was, this, 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 this was John. John, a young fisherman, even before he could take out on his parents' trade. He was maybe about 14, 15 years old. He left his nets, left his boats, went on a journey with Jesus. And yet he was on the island of Patmos when he, when he heard a voice say, come up higher. So God is no respecter of people when it comes to doing supernatural things. Amen? But you must be willing. You must wait on the Lord. You must sit still before Him and say, God, here's my life. Take it, use it, glorify yourself. Amen? My last point. We shall live victoriously in the daily routine of life. The Bible says, shall run and not grow weary, you shall, you shall walk and not be in faith. Not just running, but walking and not fainting. See, it doesn't say you shall run not, and not faint. See, friends, it's, it's much easier to run than to walk. <laughs> the most testing place for every one of us is the place where we engage 
in the trivial realm and in the common things. We love our vacations to special places. We have our camera in our hand and we take photos. We live for moments like that. We live for the mountaintop experiences. We love a Sean Bolt coming here and calling your birth dates out and calling your skin color and calling the shape of your eyeballs. And we say, whoa, God knows me. We love moments like that, but we don't like the Mondays after Sean Bolt's. It's all good over the weekend, but now here I am. I have to face my grumpy-looking boss who was baptized in lime juice on Sunday. So his face looks a little bit sour on Monday. And you have to face him. And whatever you do is not good enough. Not just on Monday. On Tuesday, he was baptized again last night. So he was still looking sour. So on Tuesday, he was still looking at a sour-looking person. And you have to live life daily. And yet the Bible says we shall live victorious. We shall walk and not be faint. Amen. I'm a firm believer of living a fruitful life daily. I'm a firm believer that when I put my head on the pillow, that it has, it has been a productive day. Which is why you want every word to count, right? You want every meeting to make a difference. Last night at, at, at this a dinner for four birthday boys, right? So the three of us last night, we were turning, we were turned 40 this year and then there's someone who's turning 50 plus. Uh, and we were all asked to say a few words. And I was so inspired after listening to all the sharing from those who are turning 40. And I realized there was a doctor there who knew all the facts. The average lifespan of a man is 82 years old. So we turned 40, so which means we've got 42 more years. And I take out my calculator and 42 times 365. That gives me 15,000 days. If I put things in perspective, 15,000 days isn't a long time. Hello? It's only 15,000. In the next one hour, if you know, I, can just, I, I, I can probably count up to like a few thousand. I can snap my fingers you know, thousands of times. Even more, yeah, in the next one. So 15, so the Bible is true that uh, your life is short and that uh, you know, it's like the breath before you. It fades, it evaporates in no time. So wouldn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing <coughs> for those of us who are waiting on the, the Lord that every moment counts? Isn't that the kind of life you, you want to live? How I wish when I was 30 years old that someone told me that. Because it's just 4,000 more days. <laughs> Those of you who, who are 30, you've got 20,000 days left on the earth. So how do you write the 20,000 pages of your life? Amen. And for those of us who are older, God can redeem those years. But the key is waiting on the Lord. Amen. As I close, I'm reminded of Ezekiel chapter 1 when the prophet Ezekiel had a vision of Jesus. Saw four faces. And Jesus, I believe, was the ox. Jesus, I believe, was the man. He was the lion of the tribe of Judah. But Jesus was also the eagle. 
And as I was just thinking about Jesus being the eagle, I read stories in the Gospels of how Jesus actually overcame the storms of life. I, don't, I, I think Jesus went through a lot more than most of us, the average person did or does. Right? You have to understand that Jesus downgraded himself. He was living in the first world heaven and he descended into greatness. He came like a man. He died on the cross. He was humiliated. He was naked before the eyes of men and, and, he, and he was tortured. He was in hunger. And yet in all that, Jesus lived above the storms. He soared above the heavenlies. And this Jesus was also the one who opened up the scriptures in Luke chapter 4. And Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to open blind eyes, to make the lame walk, to declare the year of the Lord's favor, to open up prison doors, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. The eagle, Jesus, you know, I believe is here this morning and he wants to lift us above our, our circumstance, our situation. Some of us think that, Daniel, I, I'm poor. You don't have to, you, you are not supposed to live in debt. Believe God when, when you say, God, I'm supposed to soar. I'm not supposed to live the mediocre life. I want to soar. Believe that the eagle would bear you up on his wings. Come on, church. You're not supposed to live in depression and confusion. That's not your standard of living. Just believe that as you put your faith in the eagle Jesus, that he would lift you up above the confusion, the cloud, the gloom of depression, and that you will fly far above the clouds of confusion with clarity in your mind. Amen. You might be saying, Daniel, I'm bound to my sins. I'm, I, I, I'm behind prison doors. I'm stuck. I love singing. My chains are gone. But when I go back on, on, on Monday, I feel bound. You know, it's, it's just a very long chain. I can soar very high on Sunday. But, but on Monday, cling, I, I, I've been pulled back down again. Come on, church. The Bible says that, that eagle Jesus you know, would open prison doors, that you can be free from those shackles and you can soar. It's not just good words from the Bible. Jesus lived the life. Jesus demonstrated that, that we can soar. But beyond that, those of us who put our faith in Jesus, he's, He promised that the, that the anointing on His life will free us, will liberate us, will declare, you know, would heal us, would open up blind eyes. And this morning, I believe, Jesus is here. The same Jesus was in the temple opening up the scripture. It's the same Jesus who was here in this place. And He wants all of us to soar.